Welcome to Let's Get Lit, the book club podcast with a twist. Oh my god, you nailed it. Nailed it, nailed it. For I the didn't first start time drinking yet. You didn't? No, I didn't. That's why I got it right this time. I did, and I'm nervous because it's very bubbly what we're drinking. Spoiler alert, what we're drinking is very bubbly, and I think I'm going to be a little bit burpy. So <laughs> I apologize in advance. So this week we are talking about crazy rich Asians. What? I know. That sounds racist. I don't think it is because it's a huge box office smash. Oh, is this a book or a movie perhaps? It is both a book and a movie. I'm Mm. really excited. Um, But before we dive into the book too much, we should talk about what we're drinking tonight. Oh, actually, should we do book jacket and then talk about what we're drinking? Well, I think... People are probably dying to know what we're drinking since I already gave that little teaser. So let's just jump right in and tell them. Champagne. Champagne, as some would say. Or just me. I think... Actually, no, I've said that. But usually once I've had a few glasses of champagne... Well, uh, after a few more glasses, you'll be on the same page as me. All right, so pop some bubbly. Yeah. What kind of champagne are we drinking? You didn't show me the label, so I'm just assuming it's cooked champagne. This is basically Dom Perignon. Oh my god, we're so fancy. (laughs) Actually, we're drinking Prosecco because I like it, but... Oh my god. We're basically drinking champagne. But... Is there a difference? No, but can I just say, what kind of Prosecco is this? Is this the Costco one? Because that's what it tastes like, and the Costco one is fantastic. It's Lamarca Prosecco. It has that, like, baby blue... um, It's actually not super expensive, but it's amazing. I love it. Lamarca, if you're listening to this, sponsor me. I want Prosecco all (laughs) the time. That seems like a good place to start. Can you tell us some fun facts about Champagne? I would love to. Mon plaisir. (laughs) So... Oh my gosh, where do we want to start? Well, everyone knows that champagne is super bubbly, but you may not know that a single flute of champagne contains about a million bubbles. What? And if you pour your champagne like I do all the way to the brim, it's probably <laughs> like two million bubbles. Wow. Mo bubbles, mo better. I think that sounds way better. And it explains a lot, really. Is that why you're so burpy post-champagne? I'm really trying not to. I'm holding it all in, but this is going to be a long episode for me. I don't usually drink champagne or sparkling wine, just to be clear. Really? Yeah, because it gives me a terrible headache. Um, But when we were looking at fun facts, I thought it was funny that one of the fun facts was that you should drink champagne really slowly because the bubbles actually make the alcohol enter your bloodstream more quickly. Really? And it said, and will cause a headache if you drink it too fast. And I was like, well, I definitely always drink things too fast. Yeah. So that's what's happening to me. And there's another fun fact for you. No one's ever accused you of being a slow drinker. <laughs> never. And they never will. <laughs> Moderation is not for me. So, even though we're not drinking Dom Perignon, Dom Perignon actually, despite being fancy, fancy pants, is the original creator of champagne. Oh, he's so fancy. Which is, yeah, probably why people are like, oh, I'm drinking Dom Perignon. Yeah, I was going to pretend we were drinking that until you were honest with the people about what it was. I just love our podcast friends. I know. I hope you guys are drinking the same Prosecco we are. It's delicious. Or if you're drinking fancier champagne, let us know, because... I want to know about all the good champagnes because here's the thing. I worked at a nightclub for a little while in my youth. Well, I guess I wasn't that young because I had to be post-21, but... It's pretty young. champagne that was really popular at the time was called Ace of Spades. Hmm. Have you seen it? No. I don't really know why it's popular except for that I think, like, the label used to light up, which was a big hit in the club crowd. (laughs) (laughs) In the club, you mean? Yeah, yeah. And so... 
I mean, all of the champagne that I had at that point in my life was like, someone would be like, woo, we're spraying champagne everywhere. And I would get it all in my hair and then like a little would get in my mouth. And I'd be like, well, that's one way to end your evening. Thanks yeah. a lot. Work. Well, it is. That's probably part of why it's such a big New Year's drink, because basically you just spray it everywhere. But I don't think anyone actually drinks any of it. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe they do. It's more of a showy thing than in like a thing thing in the club. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. Saying this whole story now makes me really upset that I ever quit that job and like decided to get a real adult job because Honestly, you were living your best I was life. getting champagne showers on the reg, and I, I was like, I need a real job like an adult. So The only stupid. time you get champagne showers is when you're a professional athlete or when you work in a club, as it is known. Yeah, I mean, I have not been champagne showered in any of my other professional settings. <laughs> I'm holding back my urge to say certain comments because we don't have an explicit enough rating for the things I want to say right now. <laughs> Um, but anyways, more fun facts about champagne. I thought it was funny when we looked it up, how it said National Champagne Day was December 31st. Shocker, New Year's Eve. But also, like, any day there's a wedding. That's, like, National Champagne Day, too. That's true. It's a good celebration drink. It is. It's a good drink to have a toast to. Yes. Although I actually do like drinking it, just drinking it. Well, I don't. I'm also (laughs) deadly afraid of champagne, so, like... As Brandy was opening it, I was hiding in the corner because I'm always afraid that it's going to pop my eyeball out. And it turns out the facts are on my side because a champagne cork can fly out at a speed of 25 miles per hour. That is dangerous. Yeah, I guess so. Objectively dangerous. Well, imagine that hitting your eye, something 25 miles per hour to the eye socket. I don't want to imagine that, but I can imagine it would probably pop your eyeball. I then- can imagine you wouldn't be able to see very well after that. And then I feel like all of the vitreous humor in your eyeball would just run out like an egg albumin. Ow. Stop it. Gross. I know. Sorry. Um, You want to know another fun fact? It definitely has more. There's more pressure in a champagne bottle than a car tire. I told you it was terrifying and it gives you a bad headache if you drink it too quickly. So like car tires. Exactly. Exactly the same. (laughs) They're basically the same thing. But Um, yeah, so we're not drinking my favorite drink, but I feel like it's fitting for a book about crazy rich people. Yeah. You want to know a fun fact about crazy rich people? Yeah. Tell me more. I don't know much about them. I know me either. Marilyn Monroe, apparently maybe an urban legend, but Marilyn Monroe apparently took a bath in champagne and it was, of course she did 350 bottles to fill a bathtub. That's my assumption. Wow. Or maybe 348 and then two to drink. Do you think that's why she was such a babe? Like, maybe she knew some secret that we didn't know? Because I would say, let's try it. But since we're not crazy rich, I don't think we can afford well, to. Well, I've heard that sometimes people, like, wash their face with bubbly water. Really? Yeah. I saw it huh? on a YouTube video. What's it supposed to accomplish? It's supposed to make your, like... It's a good filming for YouTube. I don't think it actually oh. does anything for you. But I was thinking that if you were to take a bath in a bath of champagne, like, I cannot imagine a better way to get a vaginal infection. I can think of a couple better ways, but I was (laughs) definitely thinking anytime I see those, like, either videos or photos where people are, you know, taking a bath in French fries or taking a bath in their favorite drink of choice or just any of these, like, strange things people do to get likes online, I'm like, you are going to have quite a yeaster. 
I would do so many things to get likes online, but nothing that would damage my vaginal pH. Yeah, it's really hard to get that back to normal. I know. It requires like probiotic suppositories, and who has time for that? I was just going to say, if you're going to bathe in any kind of liquid that is not water, it should be ACV, that's apple cider vinegar, or nutton, because that is great for you in all areas, in all like orifices. I should clarify that nutton means nothing in this context. <laughs> <laughs> well, nutton can get in there, too. Ew, it no. can't. I can't promise that it's not going to damage anyone's pH. It depends on what's going on oh there. Oh, my gosh. But ACV for everyone. That's silly. Anyways, you were saying... Do you want to read the book jacket overview, or did you have any more facts? I had sharing? only one more fact. Okay, let's hear it. It better be factual. Uh, well, most of the facts I get, we get them off the internet. Yeah, Do you and yours we, anywhere else? Actually, when we were going through fun facts, I actually caught one of our facts as being an alternative one, and so I took it off, and I was like, "Wow, that would have been so embarrassing if we had lied to the people." Yeah. But I'm sure we have unknowingly lied to the people totally. many times. I, but I feel like we we gave enough. Um, like disclaimers in the beginning of this this podcasting experience of ours just to say like we don't really know anything yeah basically what you're getting from us is like if you were to google this yourself the stuff you would find and we're just doing the googling for you but we're not doing the fact checking no no there's very little fact checking going on except for when we accidentally fact checked ourselves exactly so if you want to fact check us and tell us what we missed you know Feel free to be morally superior. Yeah, but so here's one that you may be able to correct me on. The internet says that during World War One, soldiers were offered two bottles of champagne per man for two per, per person. Yeah, two like per not person, per two per each day, unit? per day, per person for protecting this place, which I think oh maybe was gosh. a champagne maker. I'm not sure. Anyway, it was also included in the British Army's medical supplies. So maybe it is good for your skin in some way. I feel like that's not what they were worried about during World War It was World just War to War? keep up, like, their mental health, you would say. I don't know. Just why would you get two bottles a person? I mean, that's the way I drink, but I feel really validated because that was state-sanctioned, it sounds like. You would have been a great British soldier in World War One. I. I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay. since I wasn't, I can't. I can neither confirm nor deny if that's true. So if Brandy is lying, someone please fact-check her ass. Anyways, um, Brandy, I know this is going to be a big moment for you. I think you're actually going to read the book jacket of this book. So I'm going to let you have it and hope that you don't make a single mistake. Otherwise, everyone will judge you forever. It's been a long time. <laughs> Shouldn't have left you. Left you. Without a dope beat. Step two. Step two. Step two. Step two. Freaky dicky. Ah. Okay, I feel like we should have a song every podcast now. I yeah, know you didn't appreciate all the oh singing over Killers of the, the Flower Moon. The baby but Beluga. I swear, <laughs> I never want to hear that song. I can't wait. If anyone else had heard that song prior to the podcast, you are our people. <laughs> Raffi, uh, come on. Everyone's a big fan of Raffi. Go ahead and read ahem. the book jacket. Don't screw it up. Stop distracting <clears throat> us. Crazy Rich Asians, a novel by Kevin Kwan, who happens to be a male author writing about a female protagonist. What? The cover art was designed and illustrated by Joan Wong. Ahem. When New Yorker Rachel... There's a car going by. Mm. Sound effects. Ahem. When New Yorker Rachel Chu agrees to spend the summer in Singapore with her boyfriend, Nicholas Young, she envisions a humble family home and quality time with the man she hopes to marry. 
but Nick has failed to give his girlfriend a few key details. One, that his childhood home looks like a palace. Two, that he grew up riding in more private planes than cars. And three, that he just happened to be the country's most eligible bachelor. On Nick's arm, Rachel may as well have a target on her back the second she steps off the plane. And soon, her relaxed vacation turns into an obstacle course of old money, new money, nosy relatives, and scheming social climbers. Oh my god, it sounds so scandalous. It does, but I'm just going to say there's some real big grammar faux pas in this really? book jacket. Yes. First of all, there's a sentence that starts with but. Oh. I know. There's lots of erroneous colons and semicolons. I know all about erroneous colons. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm eight years old, <laughs> but I couldn't just let that one slide. Anyway, the reviews are good that are on the book. This one says Hollywood Reporter said it's a must read. Oprah Magazine said Opulence and Zaniness Rain. R E I G N. Not rain. Mm. Rain like the drizzle. <laughs> Glamour Magazine said it's impossible not to get sucked into the satirical novel. And Elle says it's juicy, although I feel like there was more to that review. Yeah, I feel like they just picked out one word and they're like, that sounds good for a book jacket. Or it was a really lazy reviewer who just like <laughs> was like, this is what my sweatpants say. Maybe we should start doing reviews like that, like in one word, review this book. Can we just have a podcast where it's like, today we read Crazy Rich Asians Juicy. (laughs) Yes. And scene. Well, this book had better be juicy. Otherwise, I am going to be really disappointed and feel misled. Um, It looks like it's just kind of fluffy chiclet, which I'm not anti in any way. Yeah. Well, and I think we felt that we needed some fluffy chiclet because we, the last book we read was really depressing and serious. Very good, but very depressing and serious. I don't think we've really read anything light and fun yet. Mm-mm. I'm trying to think if that's a lie. I don't think so. I'd probably say the only non-serious book we read potentially was Witches of Eastwick, and that's only because it was so horrible that I couldn't take it seriously. Yeah, you really didn't like that book. You gotta let it go. I'm never gonna let it go. But I'm excited to read this one because I need something kind of light to read over Mm -hmm. the holidays so this should be fun and exciting for all of us that's true and did you see the movie no i haven't seen it yet either but i'm gonna try to watch it after we read it if there's time and the trailer definitely looked really good it did look really good and i'm excited actually i think i'll probably watch the movie before i read the book um it's because that's your way it's my way and also it's still in theaters in some places but you can also rent it online right now There's a lot of options. There's no excuse not to see this movie. My favorite way to watch movies is at home on my couch. It does help when you don't have to put pants on. Same as this book club, eh? I know. Pantsless life. Faux life. Exactly. But yeah, it's also... This book was very popular. It was an instant success. But the movie itself was the first time I had heard about it. And obviously... We all know that that was a box office smash. It was. It was a huge smash. Actually, I was looking up um, some information about it, and it is the number two grossing rom-com ever. What was number one? Uh, Big Fat Greek Wedding. Really? Yeah. But also another fun fact, it's probably going to pass up Big Fat Greek Wedding. 
Well, probably because if it's still in theaters. It is. And Big Fat Greek Wedding um, grossed like $241 million in the mm-hmm. box office. And Crazy Rich Asians, as of the time we were recording this, was at $236 million, which seems like a lot of millions. Yeah. Well, it is just interesting, too, because it's Big Fat Greek Wedding was very popular at the time because it was featuring a cast that was not primarily white and same thing yeah. in this instance and it obviously goes to show that you know pandering to the same audiences doesn't always pay off i know and it's better to have more representation because guess what everyone goes to see movies yeah and people like to see movies that look like people like they are like the same reason the Bechtel test is out there for movies that don't have any female characters or conversation yeah well and all the movies that they've remade with all female casts too like suddenly it's amazing that you know film producers or like these major studios are finally catching up to the fact that people want to see people who look like them i know do you want some more champagne i definitely want more champagne how'd you know i drink real fast like 25 miles per hour you could say She just, like, gnaws off the cork in her mouth. She's like... (laughs) Yes, that's the way I do it. (laughs) Okay, more champagne. Glug, 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 glug. That's me drinking champagne. Yeah, it's very believable. (laughs) (laughs) It just sounds weird when you actually try to drink it. It does. Well, I'm still really burpy, but I'm glad that I have more. Do you want to talk a little bit? You were saying... no. Now what? Now where do we go from here? But I'll tell you what I do want to talk about. The movie. So, haven't seen it. (laughs) That was a really weird transition, but cool. I just wanted to defy your expectations. But, yeah, so when we were talking about the movie itself, it was really funny when I was looking it up. It was saying, like, they could have been crazy rich when they made the deal because Netflix offered them... I didn't look up the exact amount, but I think it was a fuck ton of money. Oh, um, I'm aware of that currency. Yeah, me too. It's the international currency. It applies to everyone. That way you don't have to, like, you know, math to exactly. figure it out. But they ended up, they being the author and the film director, ended up turning it down because it was really important to them that this movie be seen in theaters and come out Um, kind of like the old-fashioned movie experience. Mm -hmm. So they basically turned down a fuck ton of money, the chance to have this greenlit, like, all three books, because apparently this is a series, um, be set up and have total creative freedom with Netflix in order to make sure that this movie that was this, you know, all-Western Asian cast would be seen in theaters. So I thought that was really cool because it's like they took a massive risk and no one knew if this was going to be a big hit. And if things hadn't worked out, you know, you basically, your success is very tied to how much of a box office success a movie is. I mean, this movie was obviously a huge box office success, but I'm just going to throw this out here. Big mistake. How is this a big mistake? Take the money. I think they ended up making a fuck ton of money, though, so it was a risk that paid off. Oh, my gosh. I'm just not a gambler. I feel like if someone was, like, guaranteed fuck ton of money or, like, maybe fuck ton of money, but, like, fuck ton of money with respect, I'd be like, what respect? I don't need respect. Give me the money. Well, I think that was the exact, you know, internal debate that they had about this. Obviously, verbatim. (laughs) But it was... 
I was kind of intrigued in reading about it was the fact that, you know, Warner Brothers had made this massive offer and then Netflix came in and was like, look, we're going to give you all this more money and less problems. And so then they went back to Warner Brothers and they're like, so we got this great offer. We know you can't match it, but like, can you do you know better and they were like not only will we not do better and not give you a dime more but you have 15 minutes to decide wait did that actually happen yeah that's dude what and i and so then basically like um the lawyers like pulled over on the side of the road and were like calling their clients like so you have like 10 minutes no pressure and everyone obviously their agents their lawyers everyone was like take the netflix deal duh But the author in particular was like, no, like, my vision is for this to be seen in theaters. And I would feel like a sellout if I did it the other way. But I just thought, like, how does that negotiating tactic ever work? I would have just been so pissed. Like, even if you had been like, look, we can't offer any more money, but we can give you, like, more freedom to hire whomever you want. Or something that's that's like, we're going to sweeten the pot or at least give a showing of, like, we care. But they were like... We don't have time for this bullshit. We can't compete with Netflix. It's now or fucking never. And called that. Well, I mean, it worked, but I just thought, ugh, I would. That would just feel like bad business to me. I wouldn't it do it. It is bad business, and also like that makes me wish they'd gone with Netflix because I don't like bullies. Mm-hmm. Like that makes me just angry totally that this whole them. thing happened in the first place. Because yeah, that's such a dick move. Such a dick move, and I mean, I guess it did pay off. But you know, I was thinking about it too. Like, would this movie have been as big if they had released it through Netflix? Because Netflix releases a lot of really great movies and a lot of movies now that, you know, aren't just featuring kind of your standard movie star leads that you would see. Like, they have stars that are of all different shapes and sizes and races and ethnicities. Like, it wouldn't have been as big if they had released this through Netflix. Even if it had been popular and people really liked it, it you know, it would have probably just had its cult following that it already had from the books. What I mean, do you think? I feel like if it was released on Netflix, I probably would have seen it sooner. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I would have seen it by now for sure. But then that means I would have never read the book because you know how I don't do things in that order. I guess that's fair. I don't know. I just, I feel like I can't, I don't know. Maybe I just have no self-respect. Well, and we prefer to watch things on Netflix. To be totally real here... I don't think I've gone to see a movie in theaters in, like, two or three years. Really? And if I have, it was, like, the only movie I saw within a five-year span. I don't go to the movie theater. I don't feel like a lot of people do go to the movie theater. I feel like Netflix is, like, people just keep getting bigger TVs, and you're like, now I'm home and I have better snacks. Well, and it's like you pay for this monthly subscription. I know they have movie passes that you can do, too, but it is, like, you got to get up and go out of the house and... I don't know, but it is nice to have the option, like, if you want to go somewhere with your friends to be able to go see a movie together, I guess. Well, and I but I'd like rather come over to your house and watch it here on the true. comfort of your couch. I have a huge projector. You do. It too. is basically like a movie theater in your house. Exactly. But no pants required. I also think that's the reason that some of these movies tend to be like huge box office smashes and then other ones aren't because some movies I think are better suited to be seen in the theater. Like the big ones that are lots of live action, like the Jurassic Park and Star mm-hmm. Wars and Lord of the Rings. You're like, 
people say, oh, you have to see that in theaters because they just tend to be epic and beautiful and the cinematography, like, makes it. Whereas a rom-com, you're kind of like, I would rather feel I would like, rather be at scene. home with a pint of ice cream. Exactly. I want my wine, my ice cream, my snacks. Sweatpants if I have to wear pants. And probably a sheet mask on my face. Yeah. With my glasses over my sheet mask. Yes. That's the way to watch a Maybe even a hair mask. I want a hair mask, a sheet mask, eyeglasses, no bra, sweatpants. All masks all the time. All masks. Maybe even foot masks. Wow. You're going to mask it up (laughs) when you watch this movie, aren't you? I will be so hydrated. Well, I'd also say, like... I wonder, so we didn't see this movie in theaters, obviously, but I could see the appeal of it being seen in theaters, having yeah. watched the preview. Like, it does look epic. It is, like, all glam, and it really looks like a more grown-up slash swanky version of MTV's Cribs, which mm. I loved growing up. Yeah. But I did watch that from my couch, and that felt suitable. It, it to did. To sit on also. my crappy couch and look around my crappy house and be like, oh my god, Look how nice other people's lives are. I feel like that's basically been my entire life since the internet. Yeah, the internet has really made us feel bad about ourselves and what we do and do not have. I feel like Instagram really got it right when they were like, so MTV Cribs, but everything. Yeah. They're like, let's have people show off the best parts of their life and make you feel bad, but not stop watching. Mm-hmm. And it paid off because we were very into it. I know. I remember there was this one Cribs episode, and I don't remember who exactly it was, but it was some, like, pretty successful rapper who, like, had never moved out of the same apartment he'd been in forever, and he had, like, a hot plate, and he was like, Oh my and god, this was this Redman? Might have been. Oh my god. I do remember, like, he was, like, I don't remember if it was Redman, to be clear. I just remember in the episode, he was, like, so pumped and, like, so proud of his house. Like, it was so endearing. It was Because great. some of the celebrities would walk around and be like... Anyways, this is my home gym, which is also a movie theater. And then, you know, people come down from the sky and bake me things. And they didn't even think that was special. But he was like, this is my hot plate. It makes everything I could ever need. You have a CD ah. player. Yeah. <laughs> I have a CD player and my CDs in here. Yeah. Oh, I was like, me too. This is like my cribs. I know. Also, I used to go around so my relatable. house sometimes and be like, and this is where the magic happens, like, when I'd make my bed. And, you know, just to try to make myself feel better about things, or I'd redecorate my room and be like, on this episode of MTV Cribs, Star shows you her closet, which is the size of... A closet. A, but, like, a closet's closet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, those are good times. But, yeah, I'm expecting this book movie whatever to be mtv cribs basically the singapore version also i feel like it might be that tlc show about the weddings which tlc i feel like there's, there's multiple wedding I shows don't really, on TLC. i don't know but i feel like there's a show on tlc that's about weddings and it has like three brides and then they all go to each other's weddings and they vote on the best wedding so everyone tries to have like the most fancy wedding but i this book apparently is based around a wedding and i only know that Mm. because the preview for the movie says that and also doing research (laughs) yeah well so the author was talking about like the wedding and so in the book and probably the movie too it's supposed to be really elaborate where it like you know i was reading an article um where he had interviewed about it and he was saying basically like 
yeah, like this, you know, book is loosely based on like my childhood and my experience growing up in Singapore. And everyone's like, well, except slightly exaggerated, right? Because like some of this stuff, like this wedding in particular is crazy, the stuff that happens here. And he was like, actually, like the weddings I would go to of obviously these are like the upper crust families. So this isn't like, you know, middle class standard Singaporean weddings. He said all of these weddings that he went to that were really rich and fancy were, like, actually more over the top where there was, like, Cirque du Soleil and, like, all this, like, nut stuff that he's, like, no one would ever believe this. And when he was writing the book, his editor in multiple places had to be, like, so we're taking this out because it's so unbelievable that, like, people will just be, like, rolling their eyes, not interested. And he was, like, but that actually happened and the editor was like, sorry, it's too unbelievable. So I thought that that was a That's sign of, like, insane. how wealthy these people are that he's writing about. That, like, the truth is actually stranger than fiction. Do you know anything about the author? Like, who, what kind of upper crust crowd is he rolling in? Well, like, so, is he just an author? I feel like those guys don't get to do that stuff. Well, so apparently he's from Singapore. So, like, it's loosely based on his childhood, which he did make a point to say, like, it's not, like, really my family, but he kind of grew up in these really, like, you know, wealthy enclaves of Singapore. So he, you know, had experiences with these types of people. And so he did eventually move to the United States and went to school out here and then um, lived in New York and got his MFA and all of that and became a writer, but obviously comes from a very wealthy background. This sounds like semi-autobiographical then if you, like came to the states and then yeah. lived in New York and it does but that's why it it should be interesting because this is someone that has experienced it and is not just kind of like I'm assuming this is how rich people live it sounds like he's someone that actually understands how these rich people live that's but. crazy well my fiance's best friend got married in Singapore to a woman who's from there uh-huh. and when he went he said that it was just like the most insane like cool fun wedding he's ever been to that it was like a four-day affair oh wow and like so maybe ostentatious weddings are you know the thing yeah and i mean like they're like moneyed but i don't think Uh. they're like insanely moneyed and crazy you might (laughs) say not mtv cribs money well and they said like there's like a day where like you just walk around like and the the groom has to like try to kidnap the bride or like convince her family that she's supposed to come with him and then there's like parties for four days and there's like rehearsals at the Four Seasons and brunches at the Ritz-Carlton and then 17 wedding dresses and I was like can you imagine like so Brandy is planning a wedding right now and she keeps talking about how everything is so expensive it's so expensive all the stuff that goes into it does this make you feel like okay I actually have it a little easier or does it make you feel like wow I can never measure up to this um, it makes me feel like the wedding industrial complex is bullshit, and <laughs> okay, <laughs> I just feel like if you want to get married to someone, it doesn't have to be all of that fancy stuff. Like, it's nice to get your fam together, but I think there's just so many expectations about what weddings are now that it's like this one one uppery, you know, and like you can't even try to plan an inexpensive wedding or like a low key wedding because. You go there and you're like, I just want to have this. And they're like, oh, our food and beverage minimum is $30,000. And you're like, but that's a car. Yeah. I don't want to spend that much on pizza. I think you can ever have, like, the wedding you want is if you know someone who will let you get married at, like, their house or their estate or what have you. Like, you know, father of the bride style. Because 
I definitely know people who've been able to do that. And then they're like, I just, you know, basically bring caterers and like hire people for what I want. And everything is so much cheaper because you don't have that like wedding tax on top of everything. It's true. So everyone should befriend someone who has a house that's worth getting married at. Yeah. Make rich friends. Yeah. Unfortunately. Crazy rich friends. For me, Star isn't crazy rich and didn't provide me with a Lux condominium to get married at. I mean, sorry, you I should have had other friend. friends. I only yeah. have one other friend, and it's maybe Sparkle. someone else in our. Yeah, well, Sparkle is also not going to be able to Sparkle provide that for you. In an apartment, God, in, all of my yeah. Well, I'm not urban outwear, friends. What are you going to do? Just live in these urban dwellings without huge Lux yards and ocean <laughs> views. Ah, oh, it's a tough way to live. I don't know what to tell you. I live the same way. It's pretty brutal. At least we have champagne. We can pretend that we're rich because we have moneyed alcohol tastes and headaches. That's true, but I also feel like I'm not getting very lit off of this champagne. That's because you actually poured it into real champagne flutes. And we had a big argument about this. And I told you, just put it in the big cups. And you were like, no, it has to be in champagne flutes. And then Brandy schooled me on the fact that, like, if you don't pour it in the champagne flutes, it basically doesn't retain its, like, bubbliness as long. Like, that actually is a factor. So apparently it's not just a snobby people thing. It's also, like, a preserving the bubbles thing. But I drink things so quickly that it's irrelevant. Well, you should should probably get some champagne coupes. They're really pretty, too, and I bet you they sell them at, like, the Crate and Barrel outlet. Yeah, well, that sounds more my speed in terms of what I can afford. Also, I have wine glasses that are, like, littler wine glasses but probably hold more alcohol, so I'm just going to drink out of those for my next round. I think that's fair. Also, we probably need a different cocktail for our next book. Yeah, well, we'll figure it out. When we read the book, I feel like we can probably get a better sense of what pairs well with the book. It's always hard to pick the first drink because it's just kind of like, well, what is the, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, but I'm going to judge the cocktail pairing by the cover. Yeah, that's exactly. That's probably a really good assumption. 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 Are you sure you're not drunk? (laughs) That is true. I feel like we've mostly paired our first cocktail with the title of the book. Yeah. And then the second cocktail with. Was when like, oh, so this is what actually happens in the book. So, yeah, good for us. But anyways, yeah, I also, another reason we are excited to read this book is because it is, um, so the author mentioned, like, part of the reason he wrote it was to also try to kind of introduce, like, contemporary Asia to a North American audience. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of the books that we read that have Asian protagonists, it's like, you know, ancient China, or that you don't have that many modern books that have been popular That's true. And, you know, I was trying to even think of other books I'd read that had been similar, and I couldn't think of any that were modern, or at least that were widely known. Yeah. Can you? No, not off the top of my head. Or even movies. So, like, I'll just tell you. So the fake fact that I pulled out, because it wasn't true, was that Crazy Rich Asians was um, the first, basically, movie to be produced by a Hollywood studio since Joy Luck Club in 1993, basically with an all-Asian cast. Oh. And that's not true. There's been, like, multiple, like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, all kinds of, like, Jackie Chan movies. There's been a lot of different options. That's yeah. just kind of... I think it, there haven't been, like, big, huge ones. Yeah. Um, and I guess they were specifying, like, with a westernized Asian 
you know, audience or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, I also just think, like, this is a rom-com, right? Like, it's it's just, like, a different genre. It's not, like, an action movie. It's not... And I feel like a lot of, like, the movies that are about Asian people tend to be kind of stereotypical, and they're like, oh, this is about kung fu. Yeah. You know, and you're like, okay, well... We, there's well, more than that. You're like, there's more than that, and that those types of movies don't show people as like more than a one dimensional. That's true. Character. You know what I wish they would make movies out of what? Lisa C books. Oh my god! I wonder if they have because oh, we love Lisa C. Snowflower and the Secret Fan is one of my favorite books. They're ever. so good. Maybe they will now that they know that these are box office smashes. But she wrote a book recently called Dragon Bones. I haven't read that one. It's a more modern version of like an Asian protagonist. Well, I was just gonna say it's with based her books, in China. Yeah, with her books, typically um, they are like historical fiction. Mm-hmm. So, although what's the one I read? Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane. Ooh, that would make a great movie. That would make a great movie. That would have also been a good book club book, but I already read it. Um, but if you guys haven't read it, you should definitely read that because that was a great one. And it's one of those where it's like, you know, it starts in the past, but then it comes to modern day, which I always like those books where everything mm-hmm. comes full circle. You yeah. I love a nice bow at the end of things. And I is. hate when books or movies or life ends without being tied up in a nice little bow. Well, I have a feeling that Crazy Rich Asians is going to be tied up in a nice little bow well, because maybe not it's chiclet. But it's a trilogy. Oh, crap. Oh, it is a trilogy. <laughs> Wait, what are the other books are we gonna read all three or are we gonna read the well, first one then see how we about think? we read the first one and then decide if we want to read the other two the other two are called are they both out um book wise yeah there's china rich girlfriend and rich people problems mm. so i'm thinking so china rich girlfriend is a national bestseller rich people problems is a new york times bestseller i'm thinking that probably what happens is like she doesn't get dumped at the end of this because if the next book is called China Rich Girlfriend and she's the protagonist that either Maybe it's not her or maybe it's the new China Rich Girlfriend. Oh, maybe. Mm -hmm. But like Singapore, I don't know. I'm not really sure how this works. But then the last one's called Rich People Problems, which I feel like means she's not even a girlfriend anymore. Maybe they get married. Well, I would hope so because I just figured out the whole plot of the book. (laughs) (laughs) That seems fair. Well, I wonder, since the movie was so successful, I have to imagine that they're going to go ahead and have a sequel and, you know, oh, yeah. maybe if, a full trilogy. If they haven't already greenlit, like, the two sequels, then, like, what is America? I mean, honestly. I know. It's supposed to all be about making money, as we know. they made 50 Shades of Grey into, oh, like, which six was, different books and that or movies, and that was just, like, such a It fuck. was just three terrible books. And three terrible movies. I didn't watch any of them. I watched 10 minutes of the first movie and was just like, I just can't with this freaking Stockholm Syndrome crap. Well, you liked Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, but that was fantastical. There was talking teapots. That's fair. <laughs> you got to give the people something. We don't have to like everything about it, but we got to like something about it. Besides, there was a library. Like, that's the kind mm-hmm. of red room I'm talking about, you know? <laughs> Be like, hey... Bill, you want to see my secret room? And then it's just like, look at all the books. I know. I mean, that I would have stayed for that. That like, oh, that really, that really got me going when I was a little kid. I was like, somebody has all these books in their own house. I, I don't know. even have to check them out. I can just be like, <sighs> I'm checking you out, babe. <laughs> also, why did none of the books talk in that movie? 
Because books don't need to be animated. They speak for themselves. Wow, that was deep. It was profound. And podcast. Whoa. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know where to go from there. Should we talk about some fun facts about the book? Um, yeah, probably. Or the movie? Or the anything? Or did we already talk about all our fun facts? We talked about a lot of fun facts. But, so, uh, Kevin Kwan, who's the author of the book, Apparently, originally wrote the novel as a short story adaptation of a poem that he wrote for a creative writing class, which... I wish that... I have never done. I know. I was going to say, I've never... Well, first of all, I've never really written anything that wasn't a diary entry, but I can't imagine any of those entries being turned into, like, a crazy successful book or movie. Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, I think that my thoughts really run out after like three pages of short story. And then I'm like, there's, this is the end. I was going to say also, there's not much else to this. I don't like reading short stories. Really? I hate them. I would say. Like, I will never. hate them. I'm trying to think of a single one I liked and I can't. Like whenever Mm. you get, like someone once gifted me a book of like short stories and I was like, this is my worst nightmare because it's not just one short story. It's like 20. I need a book because I need to get like invested in the characters. I need there to be an arc. And I need there to be that like, you know, conflict that they yeah. then overcome or don't. Or then the book just, you know, ends abruptly and I never find out. Short stories, it's like a chapter. You know what book does a really good job of incorporating, like, a long story with a bunch of short stories? I bet I know. Hang on, let me guess. Why can't I think of the name? If it's the one that I think, just know that it was already in my head. Go ahead. Neil Gaiman, American Gods. That's not the one I was going okay. to pick. I still haven't read it, and oh I've been meaning God, to for so, so long. Good. It's also a show on Showtime. Apparently, but... Should I watch the show or should I um, read the book? I've only seen, like, one or two episodes on Showtime, and they were good. But the book is fantastic. Basically, what it does, though, is it has this, like, long arc plot narrative, but within it, there's chapters where it's just the origin stories of how these random deities became stuck in America, basically. Like, Mm -hmm. with all of the immigrants that came to the, the... continental United States, like all of the gods that they brought with them from where they're from. And so there's like, um, there's, there's like uh, Nordic gods and genies and like all sorts of really cool origin stories for all of these different gods that like come to exist in the United States and like how they exist without all of these people to worship them and like it's really it's really is there good. like an overall plot for all of them or is it just like each chapter talks about a different no, god? No, there's an overall plot that follows a main character through the whole story and then there's like all the gods are kind of like coming together to do this thing but you don't really know what's happening yet and then you also get the back it's basically like giving you the backstories of all of these random characters that like don't necessarily tie in to like the overarching story but they're just really interesting so like they're their own little vignettes that this the book could be a book without them Mm -hmm. but it's like every like fourth chapter is like a two-page chapter that's a vignette Oh, that sounds like my worst nightmare from oh, a no. reading perspective, but I'll give it a try. It's, I mean, it, it jumps all over the place, but not in a way that's hard to follow because it's so different. Well, I will say, like, 
there's a time and a place for books like that. Sometimes I'm in the mood for a certain kind of book. And right now I'm definitely in the mood for something chronological as fuck and hella light. So I'm so down for Crazy Rich Asians because I just feel like, like when we were talking about this, I was like, this sounds like the best Lifetime movie ever. I'm so into it. You do love a good Lifetime movie. And like every now and then, I definitely have books that I have never put on like my Goodreads red list because I'm like... (laughs) This was so trashy and pointless, but I loved it or didn't even love it. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, that was terrible, but it was kind of like a palate cleanser between, you know, two hard books. And I, I don't know if I'm hoping that this one will be like that kind of perfect chit lick, chit lit, (laughs) chit lick. (laughs) Sorry, champagne, you know, those bubbles go to your head fast. Um, But I'm hoping that it's going to be one of those things where it's like the combo of it's an easy read and I enjoyed it and it was a palate cleanser and I just read it really quickly. But then also that I get something out of it, especially since it's from a different part of the world than I've been to before. I've never been to Singapore. So I I hope I learn a lot. I hope I learn a lot about rich too. people. But I feel like even if I do go to Singapore, this is not the Singapore that I'm going to experience. Although I'm like really excited. One of my friends told me that this book focuses heavily on like snacks and food and like describing all the food in detail. Oh, hell yeah. Which I like food. Oh my God. Maybe we should not only have a drink pairing next week, we should have a food pairing. I just eat whatever all the time, but well, I'll pair fair. food with it. That sounds good. Um, what else? What else? What else? So also based on the trailer, mm-hmm. I feel like there's also going to be the conflict of like being Western Chinese versus like mainland China or, you know, the island, Singapore, etc. Because it's like the person that comes in, she like has all these conflicts just from like a cultural standpoint too yeah. of misunderstanding what they're all about. So That's there's going to be lots of drama. There's going to be family drama. There's going to be class drama class warfare you could say yeah i love a good drama but like a drama where there doesn't there's seem to be, be a ton at stake america it's just versus like, the east which is real life yeah that's true i don't know i'm excited to read this i feel like i'm gonna like just get through it real quick because these kinds of books tend to be real easy to digest and just like i want to know what happens yeah i'm really excited to read a book that's not going to make me cry after our last book. I know. I feel like I've been crying a lot lately. I know. 2018 was a rough year. I mean, 2017 was worse. 2016, even more so. Have we had a good one in a while? Um, 2015 wasn't that bad. I remember 2008 being, like, real primo. Yeah. That sounded like a good year. (laughs) Um, So, I guess we're going to have to wrap this up pretty soon, but... Um, what I'm thinking is that we should give people like a, if you want to read this book. So in doing a little reading, it seems like if you liked books like, um, Cinderella type stories. Yes. Also, anything with Cinderella or that theme in general. Yeah, exactly. So like the Prince and Me, Princess Diaries. Also, if you like books that have like primarily Asian cast, like Joy Luck Club, this may be up your yes. alley. Especially since... In researching the book, it was compared to the Joy Luck Club so many times. And it apparently was. One of the, I should have written this down, but one of the actresses in Joy Luck Club is plays the mother in... Oh, really? Yeah. So we'll look up her name for next time. Oh, cool. Um, and then also, so I added here, like, at the last second as we were talking, 
The Royal We by Heather Cox, which I swear is not a smutty book, mm-hmm. but it's basically like the reimagining of Will and Kate getting married, except it's like, hey, I'm just an average American. He, The prince falls in love with me at college, so also like the prince in me, basically. But it was really similar to the book jacket of this book, where it's just like, hey, I have no idea who you are. And then, oh my God, I'm overtaken by this world of wealth and privilege and I don't belong here and I get in fights with your family a lot because I don't think I'm good enough. Yeah. That's the dream. And I loved reading that book, but that was one I didn't put on my Goodreads and now everybody knows I read it. Well, I don't know who you are. And secretly enjoyed it, but I don't recommend it. It's a terrible book. It's really stupid. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So next week... Um, we are going to read give, the book. Yes, we're gonna read the book. We're gonna give you all the spoilers. We're gonna watch the movie. We're gonna do all the things. Yes, and we need a new drink pairing for next week. So mm. I'm gonna think of something delicious that we can make. And I'm gonna drink it. In the meantime, sip on some champagne and champagne. I, mean, I feel like take a bath and read this. This oh seems God. like something to do. Bubble take a bath. Champagne bath. That's my kind of bubble yeah. bath. Or Marilyn Monroe style. If you pour champagne over your head while you're drinking it, that's also recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're on iTunes now. So if you're listening what? to us on iTunes, um, we're actually running a contest right now through our Instagram, Let's Get Lit Podcast. Um, so if you give us a review on iTunes, you can be honest, but maybe be nice also. And our giveaway, we're giving away a $50 Amazon gift card. We're giving away a copy of Crazy Rich Asians and a copy of Killers of the Flower Moon. So Shit. I know, can right? Can we afford that? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, if you write us a review on iTunes and comment on one of our Instagram posts, let us know who you are. We're going to randomly pick a winner um, pretty soon. Yeah, we're going to randomly down. pick a winner, but, you know, Something tells me if it's a one-star review, I'm not randomly going to pick you. Just saying. <laughs> I feel like that's against the rules. but It probably is, but I'm just saying my random generator probably doesn't like haters. Okay. On that note, um, I hope you read Crazy This is Asian. why Star is not allowed to run anything behind the scenes. Don't worry, guys. Brandy does it all. Star is just here for the booze. Yeah, Star is just here for the booze and the bullshitting. Exactly. All right. We'll get you a stronger drink next week. Crazy Rich Asians. And we're out. Boom.